Our scripture today comes from uh, the Gospel of Matthew, uh, chapter 9, verses 35 to 38. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, and preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them, because they were harassed and helpless like a sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. This is a passage that you've probably heard a lot if you grew up in the church. But there's one phrase that you probably heard even more in here, which we overlook quite a bit. And that's the gospel of the kingdom, or even just the gospel. This is only the second time the word is actually used in the New Testament. The first time was in Matthew 4.23, and it was used very similar here. So how would Matthew's readers first have understood it? Well, actually, the word gospel was a pretty common word at the time, even before Christianity entered the world. It became especially common in the years following 31 BC as Rome was transitioning from a republic to an empire. The emperor had taken complete control of practically the whole known world, or at least everything that people in that area actually cared about. He was the most powerful man in history to the point. And so you can imagine that some people would start to hail him as a god. If you can imagine, the emperor rather liked that idea. So they started to speak about important events in the emperor's life as gospel or good news. And the word came to mean news that was so good and so important that the world had completely changed. There was a new era of peace and harmony because Rome Rome had just faced constant civil wars for 60 years and it caused immense bloodshed that felt unnecessary, but finally, under the new emperor, there was no major civil war for a few whole centuries, and it felt like a new era. Listen to this inscription about this gospel of the emperor from 9 BC, about the day that Emperor Augustus was born. It is a day which we may justly count as equivalent to the beginning of everything, if not in itself and in its own nature, at any rate by the benefits it brings. Inasmuch as it has restored the shape of everything that was failing and turning into misfortune, and has given a new look to the universe at a time when it would gladly have welcomed destruction if Caesar had not been born to be the common blessing of all men. The gods, which have ordered the whole of our life, have ordained the most perfect consummation for human life by giving it to Augustus, and by sending him as a savior for us and those who come after us, to make wars to cease and to create order everywhere. And where the birthday of the god Augustus was the beginning of the world for the the world of the gospel or the good news which have come to men through him. It kind of sounds a lot like Jesus, doesn't it? The Jews during this time who were living under Roman occupation would have heard all about this gospel of the emperor. Rome had conquered the world and achieved peace, but the Jews weren't so happy about it. Instead, they were hoping for a different kind of peace. They wanted their own king that would conquer the world. They wanted God to rule over the whole earth, just like he ruled over heaven. And the way that God's rule would be brought to the world was through his chosen righteous king. But they were frustrated that God had not given them one yet. It had been hundreds of years since they had a rightful king of their own. They wanted their own gospel, just like the one of the emperor. They wanted their own good news, the kind of good news that was so good that it means that the world has completely changed and there is a new era of peace and justice through the whole world. They wanted the kind of news about an event 
which we may justly count as the equivalent to the beginning of everything, that has given a new look to the universe at a time when the universe would gladly have welcomed destruction. What Jesus was preaching was that this gospel had come to the Jews. God himself was returning to this world, and he was going to be made king over the world. And unlike Augustus, he would rule righteously and justly. Everything evil was going to be undone, and the Jewish people would finally feel like they have returned to their homeland. The whole world was going to be set right, and justice and peace would prevail over the whole earth. And Jesus was going to be that king that was going to bring the reign of God to reality on earth. It was incredibly good news. The whole earth was changing and being set right, and all the effects of evil and sin are being destroyed through the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus saw the crowds and had compassion for them, because they were harassed and helpless like the sheep without a shepherd. He noticed that they knew they wanted the gospel of the kingdom of God to come to reality, but they had no idea how to do it. A really common metaphor for a king in those days, including in the Bible, was a shepherd. So Jesus is already looking a lot like a king in this passage. At this point, if you were reading this, you would know what to expect that comes next. You would know what Jesus is going to say. Jesus is going to say to his disciples, grab your swords, grab some armor, and get ready. Kiss your mama goodbye because you just might die for the worthiest cause ever. Because the kingdom of God is coming to earth and it's going to happen with violent revolt against the reign of Rome. We have a whole new era of peace and justice to create, and it's going to happen by taking revenge on Rome and giving them a taste of their own medicine. But no, actually, Jesus didn't say that. He said, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers to, into his harvest. It's got to seem, seem anticlimactic. He's not calling his followers to heroic and bloody struggle for the future of the world. He's calling them to be like, labor, like farmers pulling in their harvest. This gospel is going to come to the world peacefully, and it's going to be a kingdom of peace. Those that aren't yet a part of God's kingdom aren't dogs or demons or some dirty animal that needs to be put down. They're fruits that are ripe for the harvest. Bringing the reign of God to this world is going to simply involve some honest work in service of neighbor, casting out demons and healing disease and building houses, all, as the next chapter says, for free. Jesus calls his disciples to love and serve the world, and that's how the kingdom is going to be built on earth. And that's still the way that God calls us to spread Jesus' kingdom here on earth. We can do what we can to love and serve our neighbor. And in doing that, we let them know that a whole new era has taken hold of this world. The death and resurrection of Jesus Christ is a world-changing event that we may justly count as the equivalent to the beginning of everything that has given a new look to the universe. Everything in this world has already changed. Because of Jesus, we no longer have to fight each other and look out for our own interests and fight to get the last drop of prestige from this world. But we can instead care for each other and make peace. Sin and death no longer have power over us. Because God himself reigns in our very own bodies through the promised Holy Spirit, and we carry him with us wherever we go. There is new life on offer through Christ's resurrection. And our service to others is meant to show them that what this new life really looks like. Because we act differently when we serve others than the rest of the world does. 
An earth-shattering, life-changing event took place 2,000 years ago when Jesus rose from the dead. And that showed the world that it cannot be the same anymore. But the world hasn't quite caught up to that good news. In serving others, we show them what the world actually looks like now that Christ has been raised. And we show them that the evil and sin and selfishness of the old world is just a pale and pathetic shadow of what the world really looks like where Jesus Christ reigns on earth. And none of it is going to look all that heroic for most of us. It's not going to look like an incredible performance at a climactic battle. It's not going to look like a rousing speech to the troops about how we're going to take back the world. It's going to look like painting walls and giving financial advice and packing lunches and tutoring kids and writing notes telling people you love them and that Jesus loves them. It's not meant to look heroic because that's how the old world used to operate where Augustus Caesar brutally waged war to win peace and to look like a god. In this new world, we're not so interested in looking heroic as we are interested in actually loving the neighbor in front of you and actually looking out for their best interests. It's always been that way from the day that Jesus first sent out his disciples to preach the gospel. So the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. It's often a thankless job here and now, and not many people want to do it. But actually, it's the only work in the whole world that is actually important. So pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Consider how a God might be calling you to be service, of service to your neighbor, whether that's by going on a mission trip or by telling somebody about Jesus or by helping at Link or with Great Patrol or by starting something new here at the church to serve the community or by cheerfully doing your honest job for the sake of others, or by giving an encouraging word to somebody who needs it, or by inviting your friend who doesn't know Jesus over for dinner. Because stuff like that is what it looks like to spread the earth-shattering message of the kingdom of God to the world. Let's pray. Lord, you have a lot of work spread out for us, but we are so often distracted by the priorities of the old world. Give us conviction about the real love that you have shown us in Christ, and help us to show that love to the people we meet. Open our eyes to the talents that we see in those around us, so we would encourage them to labor in the harvest with us. In your name we pray. Amen.